Holy Father, this Bible teaching, let it be, let it be a fountain of joy for us. Let the Word be clear. We, we want to hear what it is the Spirit of Christ would teach us today through Holy Scripture. We wait upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you agree with this, st- this statement or this sentence? Life is a test. And we will be examined on the basis of our investments. Do you agree with that, true or false? Poor Martha Stewart. I don't know if you're following the saga of her misfortune, but how could you miss it? She's been on every television screen in the nation these last few days. She's, Martha Stewart comes to church. She's on our screen now for this moment. Martha Stewart, I, you know, whether this was self-inflicted or otherwise, I mean, it's not for you or me to say, but here is this woman who has made such an impact on, on, on Western society, the kind of the queen of Kmart and uh, Miss Betty Crocker of the third millennium. She has all that homemakers long for. In fact, I, I, I listen to CBS radio every day out of Chicago and she has this little piece that she puts on and she always ends it and you can learn something new every day from MarthaStewart.com. And so this last week I went to MarthaStewart.com and it's a, a homemaker's paradise. Here is this woman, savvy, savvy businesswoman. Why bring her up at all the Sabbath? Because could it be true that life is a test and we are examined, we will be examined on the basis of our investments? That would be true for the rich like Martha Stewart. That would be true for the poor like you and me. Although, come on, let's be honest, you and I, we are hardly the poor of this earth. When you compare us with the broad cross-section of the human race, those of us who are middle class now living in the United States, we are living in opulence in comparison. You know that. But whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're in between, could it be true? Life is a test and we will be examined on the basis of our investments. Now we know what Martha Stewart invested in. M-Clone. What are you investing in? See, what am I going to be graded on? I mean, come on. What is the investment of my life? I'm going to tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was a very wealthy man who was going on a long trip. And so he called in three of his junior associates. And to one of them he gave five bags of gold. To the other, he gave two bags of gold. And then to the third one, he gave one bag of gold. He said, look, guys, I'm going to be gone for a long time. Invest this. But as the story goes, the man with the five bags of gold was so intimidated by the, the largesse of, of, of this gift, so big that the man with the five bags of gold went and buried all five. And the man with the two bags of gold, as well realizing the incredible risk that the master has made in entrusting him the two, went and did likewise. He buried his two bags of gold. And the man with the one bag of gold is awed that his master would entrust to him one bag of gold. And he said, well, he asked me to invest this. So he went out and he doubled his investment. 
When the master came back, he called his uh, junior associates in. He said, how did it go with the money I, I entrusted to you? And the first man with the 5,000 said, you know, I was so intimidated. I went and buried it. You can have it back. The master is furious. The one with the two bags of gold says, master, I have done like unto the same. I was scared and I buried it. Here you can have it back. And the master is nonplussed. Didn't you guys understand? And then the man with the one bag of gold came in. He said, master, I did what you asked me to do. I simply invested this. You now have two bags of gold and the master said to him whoa well done from now on you and I are partners now ladies and gentlemen with a slight variation that story is the familiar story that Jesus tells here in the gospel of St. Matthew 25 he said, Dwight, why'd you, why'd, you, why'd you vary it at all? i tell you why, because I'm so tired of everybody always beating up on that one talent man that's why let the other guys get it this time. You can have a lot of talents and blow it. Why are you always picking on the one-talent man? So, you go, one-talent girl. You go, one-talent man. Because, you see, life is a test. And we, it's true, isn't it? We will be examined on the basis of our investments. Would you reach into your worship bulletin today, please, and pull it out. We have a study guide today. No PowerPoint today. What's up with that? These guys are taking a vacation. Who gives PowerPoint operators the right to take vacations in the summer? Well, they, they're taking it anyway. But we have a study guide today. And our ushers are ready to put an extra study guide in your hand right now. Thank you, Nobby. Thank you, ushers. Ricky, hold your hand up because some of you came in and you got one bulletin for the whole family. And I would love to you to have... There are a couple great quotations here that I want you to please have and take home today. So hold your hand up if you didn't get a study guide. Those of you who are watching right now, you, you can go to our website, www.pm, that's Pioneer Memorial, pmchurch.org, and the study guide will be there for you when you go to that website. That's our website. Let's, let, let, let's just move through this study guide. In fact, would you get it right here at the outset? Life is a test. Would you write in the word test, please? Life is a test. Come on. Life is a test. We just honored our graduates. Hallelujah. Well, life, look at guys, you, you never finish. Life is a test. And we are, we will be examined on the basis of our investments. Write in the word investments, would you please? Investments. Let's go to the real story. Matthew, the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 25. Please. Matthew, chapter 25. You know the story, wealthy master, three servants, all of whom are being secretly tested. They don't know that they're being tested, but they're being tested. All right. The Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 25. I'm in the New International Version today. Let's pick the story up in verse 14. Matthew 25, verse 14. Jesus telling, this is the next to the last story Jesus ever tells before his death. You always say the best of the last. Obviously, he's, got, he's been holding on to this one. Now it comes. Matthew 25, verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted, it's very clear, Bill Gates' property. When Bill Gates gives you money, it's his money. And entrusted his property to them. Now, verse 15. To one he gave five talents of money. To another, two talents. And to another, one talent. Each, now here's the key. Each according to his ability. In fact, would you put that in the study guide, please? Right in the word ability. That, that's a key right there. Each according to his ability. 
Because you see, the master knows. Come on, he knows how every single one of us is wired. And by the way, after he made you, boom, discard, shred it. He threw away the blueprints. There is no replicate to you on this earth. There is nobody with the particular gift mix and life story that you've got. He threw the blueprints away. He knows how we are wired. And because he knows how we are wired, the master also knows how much how much voltage we can take before we blow a fuse. He will never blow the fuse. He said, I know. I know how much you can handle. So, I mean, parents are like that. Any of you have more than one child? I mean, have you noticed how different it is with two, how different it is with children? I mean, what is good for the goose is not necessarily good for the gander. Because, you know, you can do, you do it one way with the boy. And boy, when a girl comes along, whew, we have just reversed all of life. Why? Because the parents know every child is different. And every parent treats his or her child out of respect for that difference. So, to each according to his ability. I have a book that was given to me when I was graduated from this fine institution back in 1976 with my Masters of Divinity. And a professor friend of mine gave me this book and I have been blessed by the book. I love going back to it. The name of the author, David A. Redding. He's a Presbyterian. And he writes uh, the, the title of the book, Parables He Told. I don't know if the book is still in print, but I want you to get this. This is a quotation right out of David Redding's book. You have to fill in a word here. All men are created, write it in, not what you're thinking. The word is unequal. All men, and that would include women, all men and women are created unequal in God's country in everything except legal rights. God will not grade on the curve or by some arbitrary standard. No, 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 no. Each man will be matched against his own ability and opportunity. That would be true for a woman. God is going to expect more from Chicago than the Congo. Wouldn't you know it? They're both back in the news. But God's going to expect more from the Windy City. The flat rate practice is foreign to Christianity. We have been created unequal in the sight of God. I had uh, one of our counselors come up to me between services, and he, he took uh, some classes from Thesba Johnston, who used to teach here at Andrews University, and he said, she used to say this in her classes, I, so I scribbled this down, there is nothing so unequal as treating unequals equally. Did you get it? Yeah. There's nothing so unequal. Every parent knows you can't treat unequals equally. You have to adjust. And that's what God does. That's what the Master does. Each according to His ability. Look at whatever you have today. You got something. Whatever it is, somebody said, that's exactly what I want that woman to have. See that man right there? That is exactly what I want him to have. Perfect. He knows us. And so He gives. Now, the story goes on here. Verse 16. And the man, then he went on his journey. This uh, master did, verse 16. And the man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. Oh man, we're always so hard on this one talent guy. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After, oh, hold on. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. 
The man who had received five talents brought the other five and said, Master, you entrusted me with five. Look, wow, I have five more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Hold on now. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. There it is. Right there is the clue to the truth. Life is a test. And we will be examined on the basis of our investments. Say, where's the clue? The clue is right here. Would you write it in your study guide, please? You have been faithful with a few. Write in the word few. You've been faithful, look, you've been faithful with a few things. By the way, that's the same language he uses with servant number two as well. You have been faithful. Look, hey, I was testing you. I was testing you. You know, after I got my driver's license... On the island of Guam, my dad came to me and said, you know, first time. All right, boy. Here are the car keys. You may take the car to the grocery store and buy groceries for your mother and come home. I said, wow, you are giving me these car keys? I get to take the family car, Dad? Yep. I get to drive by myself? Yep. I get to take your blue metallic Mustang convertible? Nope. You mean I get to take the old family Datsun station wagon? Yep. And I get to go to the store and buy mom groceries? Yep. And then go visit my, fr- and then go visit my friends afterwards? Nope. Come straight home? Yep. That's the way it is. Come on. That's the way parents do it. I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let you drive to the end of that block and back again. Why do parents do that? Because they're testing. I could tell you take a cross-country trip. I know you did well in your driver's license. Take a, no, no, no. You just drive to the grocery store and back. Let me see how you do. The master wants to d- determine... Whether or not his servants are trustworthy. Can, they, can I give them more? Can I give them greater responsibility? And so, he says, hey, look, he could have given a hundred talents. I could give you a hundred talents. No, no, just five. Five. That's all I'm going to give you. Five. How do you do with a five? Let's see what she does with the few talents that have been entrusted to her. Hey, you know, I, Bruce Wilkinson. I noticed down in, in the, in the um, something else Sabbath school, a couple of Sabbath school. They're showing a Bruce Wilkinson series. Somebody sent me a book. I, I forget who sent me this book. My apology. Maybe it just came uh, unannounced. But the book arrived. A book that Bruce Wilkinson wrote. You know Bruce Wilkinson, the uh, Prayer of Jabez man? He's written another book. Title of this book, A Life God Rewards When Everything You Do Today Matters Forever. Now, controversial premise. Here it is. He is suggesting... That God will reward us in heaven directly in proportion to how much we multiplied our life for Him in this life. And I was very uncomfortable when I read the book. I said, wait a minute now, come on. Are you going to tell me all of eternity is going to be affected by what I do in this life, how I use my talents or don't use them? That's Bruce Wilkinson's point. I said, no, I don't know about this. But you know what he does? He goes to the parallel story in Luke 19, and the master gives one minus, one, one talent, one to all ten. And the man who makes ten out of the one gets ten cities, and the man who makes five out of the one gets five. And Wilkinson's, Wilkinson's point is, all of eternity will be affected. Ah, come on. We're all saved by grace. We're all going to be there. Hallelujah. We're going to sing, blessed be his name, right? Yep. But he said it's going to be affected. I would have just dismissed it outright until... But I came across these words in a little book called Christ's Object Lessons. And I want to, I want to just read them in your hearing. This, this would be page 363. These are on Christ's parables. This, this book's 
on the parables. Even if we do not lose our souls. Okay, you're in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for by grace are we saved through faith. Even though we do not lose our souls, we shall realize in eternity the result of our unused talent. For all the knowledge and ability we might have gained. Well, that's a great line for a university community, isn't it? Don't universities exist so the people who want to increase knowledge and new abilities, they come into the community. For all the knowledge and ability that we might have gained and did not, there will be an eternal loss. Man. Do you know how many times I've said no to the nominating committee when they've called and said, Hey, you got, you got some time. Could you, would, you be, would you mind working with our little screaming memes downstairs? Do you know how many times I've said no to them? Do you know how many times there's been an urgent offering appeal and I have sat there. I had something in my wallet, but I said, I am not given today. Do you know how many times I've had the chance to multiply what I have, but I have refused to invest it? Bruce Wilkinson's point and Christ's object lesson's point is, you know what? Somehow, in eternity, it'll make a difference. Now listen, folks, look, look. I'm not going to take time with that book. We're all going to be happy to be there. Thank you, Jesus. But could it be that the way I invest my life for His cause now makes the, the enjoyment of eternity even greater? I don't know. But if you're leaving a, if you're leaving a talent on the shelf, sir... And you're not using that talent? Oh, please, think twice. Invest what I've given you. Ah, let's go. Well, what's the point? You can write it down on your study guide again. Life is a test, and we will be examined on the basis of our investments. So here's the question. What are you investing of the masters for the master? Hmm? You say, well, it depends on what I've been given. What do you mean it depends on what you've been given? How much have you been given by God? Oh, we've already had, in this little mini-series going from spring to summer, we've already, we, we've already been to Romans 6.32. Remember Romans 6.32? That's why I said, well, let's not go, go to it again. We've already been to it twice, but I'll just remind you, Romans 6.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how much more will he, with Jesus, give us, what's the next word? Everything. How much that you, how much that you have now came from him? How much? Everything. Everything you have has come from Him. So what are, you doing? What, are you, what are you doing with what you've been given? What you've been entrusted? I'll tell you one thing we cannot do, ladies and gentlemen. Please, please, please. In fact, would you get this in the study guide? We must not despair over the fact that there are some who have more than we do. Look, at, you're going to run into them. I'm telling you. They have more money than we do. Police. They have more property and possessions than we do. They have more talents than we do. You go into their offices, they have more diplomas hanging on the wall than you will ever have if you should live to be a thousand years old. They got more education. They've written more books. They've invested in more portfolios. They have better health than you. And I can't figure this out, but some of them even seem to have more time than I do. Where did they get the extra time? You know what? It is absolutely silly for you and me to sit around and pout and pine. I didn't get enough as he did. That's crazy. Who cares what he got? You got all you can handle right now, sis. So just handle what you have. 
fact, if you do well with what you have, there may be more where this came from. Now, those of you that want to really stick it to those who have more than us, let's do it. You can do it, you know. And it's this. I got a word for those who have a lot. Those of you who have a lot of talents, a lot of money, here's the word. You will be judged by a higher standard than the rest of us. Yes. Isn't that true? Of course it's true. Why? Because we just read it in the story. The man with the five talents doesn't answer for one. He has to answer for all five. The man with the two only answers for two. The man with the one only answers for one. But I want to remind those who have so much. You will be held to a higher standard. In fact, would you put this in your study guide, please? Jesus himself says this. Turn it over. I missed one. I'll come back to it. Luke 12, 48. Jesus says, to whom much is given. How's it go? Much will be required. Write that in. To whom much is given, much will be required. Don't worry. God will take care. God will take care of you. In fact, would you turn your study guide back to the one I missed? Would you turn it back, please, until then? All you and I are asked to do is, we are, we've been asked to, all we're asked to answer for is what we've been entrusted with. That's it. You don't have to answer for what you don't have. Be careful about wanting too much, because you're going to have to answer for it. To whom much is given, much will be required. Oh boy, here comes David reading again. Now here he is at his sharp, punchy poignance. Here he goes. Here goes David Redding now. I'm going to start the quotation, then you're going to finish it on the study guide. Here the quotation starts this way. The landlord will settle each case separately. Each man will be weighed, not as he compares with the Joneses, but with his own model self. Now, here goes. Write it down. And God is going to be hardest of all on the best. Write in the word best. He's going to be hardest of all on the best. This will bring small consolation to the man who thinks he's better than other men. Let the Pharisee beware. The bar will be raised for the morally superior. In this proportionate light, Hitler may fare better than some overprivileged Presbyterian, end quote. He's worried about overprivileged Presbyterians. I'm wondering about overprivileged Adventists. To whom much has been given. You see, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a community. This is true. I grew up in a community that believed it was chosen by God. Can't you imagine a community that would believe that? Believe that God had raised this community up. Given it given it a revisitation of the great themes and truths of Scripture. In fact, this last week I was reading in Deuteronomy. Now that I have the New International Version again, I'm worshiping my way through the Pentateuch and I'm in Deuteronomy. And just this last week, I'm reading in Deuteronomy 7. You remember this? Where God says, hey, I want to tell you something, children of Israel. It was not because you were big in number. No, 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 no. It was not because you were mighty in intellect. No, no, no. I set my affection upon you over all other peoples because I chose you. Twice in Deuteronomy 7. I chose you. Hmm. I realize that there's some people here who believe they've been chosen. You know, and I can't argue with that. I, I can't tell whether you've been chosen or not. That's not for me to say, but i tell you what. This much is clear. God is going to be hardest of all on the best. 
And anybody who goes around tooting his horn that I have been chosen because I have so much, woe be to you, that will be a high standard you will have to live up to. Yep. Redding put it, God is going to be hardest of all on the best. You know what I did? I think this is in the study guide. I scribbled down at the bottom, yeah, I scribbled down at the bottom of my page these words from Richard John Newhouse that I found in his book, Death on a Friday Afternoon. One sentence. It is a fearful thing to be chosen. It is a fearful thing to be chosen. Somebody came up to me in between services and said, Hey, Dwight, you remember Fiddler on the Roof? Yep, I remember. Do you remember Tevi? Tevka. You remember Tevka? Yeah, Tevi. At the very end, they're being driven out of this Russian village. You remember Tevi looks up at God and he points his finger. He said, Lord, it is fine to be chosen, but why do we have to be chosen so often? I know I live in a community that values that, cho- that sense of chosenness. Ladies and gentlemen, knock it off. Knock it off. It is a fearful thing to be chosen because to whom much is given, much will be expected and required. Don't toot your horn. Serve. Invest. Ah, so what, you know, you can't, you can't help all these who have these so many talents. No, no, no. What are you doing with what you have been given? What should we do with it? Put this in your study guide, please. Jesus in the parallel parable in Luke 19, he has a master say this. Would you write it in? Put this money to work. Put the money to work until I come back. I.e., invest it all. Invest it all. Put it to work. Freely you have received, freely give. Which being translated means freely you have been entrusted, now freely invest. Invest it all. For in your act of investing, there's a point I want to, this, this is the summation here. For in your act of investing, Jesus says invest it all. For in your act of investing, you will help God save. Hold on. You will help God save your soul. It is embarrassing to read a private letter that's been, you know, a letter written to somebody else. It's embarrassing to read that letter privately when it's not addressed to you. It's even more embarrassing to read the letter publicly. But I want to, I want to close with this letter. Now I've, I've crossed the name out. You do not know to whom this letter goes. So we'll just say, dear Mr. Dear Mr. Blank. I'm going to read the letter. The desire for wealth has been the central idea of your mind. This one passion for money getting has deadened every high and noble consideration and has made you indifferent to the need. This is in a letter. Indifferent to the needs and interests of others. Now listen to this. You have made yourself nearly as unimpressible as a piece of iron. Have you ever taken a, you, you know, in a hammer, an iron-headed hammer? Okay, have you ever just put your thumb on it, push that iron? Can you, can you make a dead by pushing? It's unimpressible. You have become unimpressible, as unimpressible as a piece of iron. Oh, why? Your gold and your silver are infected and have become an eating cancer to the soul. Had your giving grown with your riches, you would have regarded money as a means by which you could, you could do good. Now our Savior knew our danger in regard to covetousness, wanting more than what we have. And so He has provided a safeguard against this dreadful evil. He has arranged the plan of salvation so that it begins and ends with giving. And now notice how the letter ends. Constant self-denying giving 
is God's remedy for the cancerous sins of selfishness and covetousness. One more line in the letter. Would you write it down in your study guide, please? Continual giving starves covetousness. That's it. Starves selfishness to death. Signed, your friend. Now, I'm not going to read. I'm not going to read the signature on that letter. I mean, oh, come on. Who needs friends like that? Who needs enemies? But the point is inescapable. You want to polish your halo? You want to know how to polish your halo? You want to know how to get to heaven? Come on. Once you get to Calvary, you want to know how to get to heaven? Give. And give. And give. And give. And give. You say, oh, come on, Dwight. Who should I give to? Give to anybody. Luke 6.30, give to anybody who asks you. I had a little boy on our step. A little boy, I suppose, what is he now, 12, 13 years old? Two weeks ago, he was standing on our doorstep, and he rings the doorbell, so I go to the door. Oh, man, why did I have to go to the door? Because he's asking for money. And you know what he's asking for money for? Cystic fibrosis. Well, I don't have anybody with cystic fibrosis in my family. Maybe if you had had Alzheimer's or something, I'd give, but... But you know, God has really been struggling with me. He said, Dwight, you have such a self-centered edge in your life. The only way I can possibly deal with your selfishness is to get you to give and give and give and give. And God has been working on me. Normally what I would have said to him is, you know something, son? My wife is not home right now. And she runs the money in our family. And I dare not give without her permission. I said, hey, okay, what, is, what is this for? Cystic fibrosis. Okay. All right. Jesus said, give to everybody. He didn't say, well, if you really agree in the cause and it's done very politely and winsomely, he just says give. He doesn't say you have to give everything they need, but he does say give. You know why? Because giving, constant giving, how does that go? Constant giving starves covetousness to death. So give to the March of Dimes. Give to the firemen. When they call you up, the police are having a little raffle. Give. Give to the school. Give to the public school. Give to the church school. And while you're at it, would you give to the church as well? Give to the PA fund. Mark it on your tithe envelope. PA, pray always, public address. I give to you. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, give and give. And give constant giving, starves, covetousness to death. Hey, now come on, hold it, hold it, before I sit down. I know, I know. Look, at, you can't give your way to heaven. <laughs> you can't give your way to heaven. 1 Corinthians 13, though I give everything I have to the who? Though I give to the poor. I even give my own body and have it burned. I don't have love, zero. Won't get me anywhere. Giving won't save you. But giving will make sure you are saved. Jesus saves you. Giving will make sure. Hey, you see this? See this? You know what this is? This is a tithe envelope. It's sitting in the pew in front of you right now because you can't get saved. You can't get saved without giving. You get saved by Jesus. But giving keeps sanctification, the act of growing in Christ. Did you think those were there just to be in your, your pew for 
the others? No. You can't get saved without giving. Continual giving starves, Dwight. It will starve your selfishness to death. You know why? You know, how, you know why it works? Because God is a giver by nature. And what heaven will be about is people who are just like Jesus. By beholding, you become changed. Want to be like Jesus? Then give. For God so loved the world that He gave. Want to go to heaven? Want to polish your halo? Come on. Give. Because you see, life is a test. And we will be examined on the basis of our giving and giving and giving. And so, Father, we have asked that You would open wide our hands in sharing as we heed Christ's ageless call to give and to give and to give. We stand in the shadow of Calvary where You have given everything there is to give to us in humility and gratitude and joy. Let us give and give until that day when Jesus will speak the words, Well done, friend of mine. You've been faithful in a few things. Now I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into my joy and be my partner forever and ever. Amen.